Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, good morning, Faith City. It's so great to be with you this morning. This is our very first live stream. I mean, wow. I'm just praying that you and your family are doing well during this time of social distancing. And uh, you know what? We're glad for technology, aren't we? I mean, here we are. We're able to connect and be together on a Sunday morning. And I think that's awesome. I just want to encourage you today for the next few minutes uh, in the scriptures and by the Holy Spirit, I believe. And I also want to remind you that you can follow along uh, with us if you have the YouVersion Bible app. Now, it's real simple. Uh, you just uh, grab your phone, of course, open it up, slide over to the YouVersion app. And then once you press the YouVersion app, you go down to the lower right-hand corner, at least for Apple users, and you just click that tab at the bottom that says More. Now, after you click that tab, it will come down to another list, and it will be your name, notifications, things like that. Look about halfway down to Events. Click Events. And you should see Face City, Michigan campus right at the top, somewhere depending on where you live, if you have your location set to on. Just click on the Face City, Michigan campus, and there you have it. You can actually follow along with the scriptures and the notes. And if you press Add Notes, you can actually add your own notes to it, your own thoughts. And then in the right-hand corner, if you press Save right at the top, you can save everything for reference in the future. So with that, let's get started. Last week we started a series called Soul Restoration, and we really talked about the soul. More specifically, we talked about our thoughts or our thinking. You know, it's really dealing with the idea of rejecting those toxic thoughts because all of us get them, right? And the soul, of course, is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotion. So really a good question to ask is, what's chipping away at your soul? What's getting in the way of you becoming the person that you've been created to be, the one who bears the image and the likeness of God in this life. So really, we want to explore how we can neutralize the damaging influences, how we can change old thought patterns and experience transformation in our lives through embracing our true identity in Christ. Now last week, as I got thinking about this, I probably got a little bit ahead of myself because I really wanted to talk about thoughts or our thought life. Normally, I would speak about what I'm talking about today when I speak about this idea of the soul. And then I would follow that up with the idea of dealing with toxic thoughts. But, you know, with everything that's been going on, in fact, the very reason that we're having the live stream right now instead of church, the very reason that church was a little light in attendance last week, is because we're all having thoughts, and many of them are fearful thoughts. Thoughts that are full of worry and anxiety. That's why I felt last week it was important to talk about this truth. But this week, I really want to talk about having rest in our soul. Having rest in our minds, our will, and our emotions. Now, there's a scripture I want to look at here in Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 6. It says, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They wander around on the mountains. They go from mountains to hills. Look at this. They have forgotten their resting place. Now let's look into this idea of the restless soul. It got me thinking about this story 
Uh, several months ago, I had gotten a splinter in my finger. And you know, what big deal? You know, you got a splinter. But this splinter was a wood splinter. And I remember my wife had pulled the splinter out. And then the very next day, within two days, I had gotten another splinter, but this was a metal splinter. So in the course of two days, I had both a wood and a metal splinter in my finger. Now, my wife has these, this visor with this lens on it and light. So, you know, even though it was hurting, I couldn't quite figure out where it was or what was going on, and I couldn't quite see it right. And I, I remember saying, babe, can you check this out? So she puts her visor on, she looks in, and she says, yep. I can see it right there. I'm like, no way. So she gets the tweezers out. And I'll tell you, it was a little bit of a painful process, but she got it out. But once she got that splinter out, what a relief. Have you ever had a splinter? And once it comes out, there's such a relief. You know, I think about that when I think about our soul. You know, our soul is constantly picking up splinters and foreign substances. We can call these toxins. Now, what is the definition of a toxin? A toxin is a poisonous material capable of causing sickness or even death. Now, if you've ever detoxified your body, then you know it is not an easy process. I've done this a few times, and what I've noticed is that the first few days are extremely tough, and they involve symptoms like headaches, weakness, nausea, and withdrawal, to name a few. I mean, just try cutting sugar out for a week, and you'll experience this. But you know, it's really, really important to detoxify our bodies. It's also important to detoxify our soul. But the key to bringing health and healing and restoration to your restless soul is detoxifying from lies. Now listen to this. Detoxifying from lies that we have believed about ourselves and lies that we believed about God. So just quickly, I want to go over two lies that man-made religion tells us when we are detoxifying our soul. Number one, I can do this on my own. Now think about that for a minute. I can do this on my own. The truth is, no amount of willpower or self-help will bring long-term healing. But our shame will cause us to avoid relationships, especially with God, especially with our Heavenly Father. I think about this story in the creation story with Adam and Eve. See, Adam and Eve had the same knee-jerk reaction. If we look in Genesis chapter 3, and we just start here in verse 8, it says, In the cool of the evening, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking around in the garden. Now, just a little context, just before this happens, Adam and Eve decided to go against the grain of what God said. They decided to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we see God here coming into the garden, and they, already in their minds, Having this shift happen that we don't really trust God, we don't trust Him at His word, maybe we could do this better, maybe we could do this on our own. Are you catching the flow here? So what happens when they hear God walking in the garden? It says, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Verse 9, the Lord God called to the man and asked him, where are you? Now, I don't think that God was playing a game of hide-and-seek. I think God really knew where they were. But I think this causes us to ask the question, is this a deeper question than what we really read on the surface? When he says, where are you? I believe, in my opinion, he was saying, Adam, where are you right now in your thinking, in your thought process, in your mind, in your will, in your emotions? But look at verse 10. He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, 
so I hid. Now this word hid's interesting. It's the word kavah in the Hebrew, and it means to thicken or harden. So just think about that for a minute. Hold on to that. Verse 11, God asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat fruit from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? Verse 12, the man answered, that woman, the one you gave me, see the blame game is already starting, gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? Blame game continues. The snake deceived me and I ate, the woman answered. Now here's the question. Why is it easier to hide out and try to help ourselves than being transparent and allowing others in those toxic spaces, especially our Heavenly Father? Because there's something that happens in our soul when we make wrong choices, when we make a wrong decision. You know what? We begin to buy into a sense of shame. And just like verse 10 says, when God says, where are you? What is Adam's response? He says, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. That word hid, again, in the Hebrew, means to thicken or harden. So it's like we begin to literally harden our hearts in these situations. We hide, we harden our hearts, which means we begin to change our thinking. We begin to think that maybe God's against us. Rather than be open and honest with our Heavenly Father, we close off and we try to do it on our own. You know, here's a really powerful point here. The prisons created by our bondages give us a sense of security and certainty. Now think about this. When we go the opposite way of love or the opposite way of, of what Father says, we literally are not just hardening, but we're putting ourselves in the bondage. But sometimes we get so used to that bondage that it becomes a place of security and certainty for us. It's what we know. And then what happens is we feel comfortable because we can define the enemies. We know where the walls are. It gives us a sense of control, like I'm in control of the situation. But the truth is, we really aren't. You know, we've heard this saying before, God helps those who help themselves. Well, that's not the truth. The truth is, God helps the helpless. That's what the scriptures say. So we need to get to this point where we're freeing ourselves to open up. But listen, when we free ourselves to open up, it's hard because freedom is a scary thing. It makes us feel vulnerable. It makes us feel, I guess, kind of like Adam and Eve, naked and exposed. But here's the thing. We can't do this on our own. When we try to do things on our own, why is it that we believe those lies? Why is it that we're afraid to be vulnerable and exposed? Because of lie number two. Number two is, we are powerful enough as human beings to change the nature of God. In other words, my wrong actions, my wrong thoughts, those dirty recesses of my soul will cause God's very nature and character to change. Now, that doesn't really make sense when we say it out loud, does it? But here's how we kind of rate it. Good actions equal love and grace. Bad actions equal anger and retribution. See, we think that our actions can change God's character. Well, God was love, but now I changed him. But that could never happen. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, love holds no records of wrongs. Love never stops being patient. It never stops believing. It never stops hoping. It never gives up. You know, a really powerful exercise in life is when you can 
turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. As you're reading that, verses 1 through, I think, the beginning of verse 8, every time you read the word love, replace it with the word God or Heavenly Father. Because really, it's describing his character. This is what God is like. It's absolutely beautiful. But look at God's response to their wrong decision. In verse 21, it says, The Lord God made clothes from animal skins for the man and his wife, and look at this, and dressed them. What? He dressed them. Look at God's response. He covered their shame and protected them, working toward what? Restoration and healing. Hmm. It's really interesting, isn't it? So where is God? And more importantly, what is his disposition toward us in these spaces, in these places, when we make these types of decisions. He comforts and clothes us. Isn't that awesome? But unfortunately, if we don't understand Heavenly Father's good intentions, we will do anything to avoid the mystery and loss of control that's involved in relationship. So back to our opening scripture. My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have led them astray. They wander around on mountains. They go from mountains to hills. They have forgotten their resting place. But what is God's response to our being lost? Look at this in Luke chapter 15, verses 4 through 6. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. What do you do? You leave the other 99 sheep in the pasture and you go looking for the one that got lost. Look at this, until you find it. When you find it, You are so happy that you put it on your shoulders and carry it back home. Then you call your friends and neighbors together and say to them, I am so happy I found my lost sheep. I love these last three words. Let us celebrate. Do you notice that the lost sheep is found by Jesus and Jesus puts the sheep on his shoulders? Man, we are never alone in this. Jesus promised to never leave us and never forsake us. So what's God's response to our restless soul? Look at this in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for what? Your souls. Look at this. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, it takes a decision to trust Father and respond like David did. Remember King David in the Old Testament? He says this in Psalm 62.1. He says, Truly my soul finds rest in God. Look at this. My salvation comes from Him. Now, if you've attended Faith City for any amount of time, we know that the actual definition in the New Testament Greek of salvation is restoration, healing, wholeness, rescue, deliverance. It's this awesome package deal of salvation. So where does he find rest? He finds it in God. We could say he finds rest in heavenly father. That word father is the word pater in the Greek, and it literally means origin or source. So who's your source? It's heavenly father. It's his divine source. So here's the thing. If you're struggling today to find rest in your soul, remember, we can't do this on our own. And our actions don't change God's character. He is love from beginning to the end. He is grace from beginning to the end. So don't be afraid. Approach him with boldness, knowing that he has grace that is sufficient for you in your time of need. Don't try to do life on your own. Your simple response is a response of faith. And what does faith do? Faith says, God, I trust you. 
Dad, I trust you. Here's my stuff. Here's my baggage. Here's my sin. Here's my issues in life. Take them. Help me. That's what faith is. And his response is to what? Bring you salvation, healing, wholeness, restoration, deliverance, and rescue. He will bring rest for your soul. So there's only one thing we can do. Trust him. So I hope this really helped you today. I know that all of us, especially with what's going on, we can deal with these fearful thoughts and these different ideas, and we can be restless in our soul. But remember, the key is you can't do this on your own. And there's nothing you can do to change the character of God. He loves you. He's there for you. He wants to just bring you peace and grace through this time. So with that, let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you, first of all, for your love and your grace and your goodness toward us. I pray today that maybe this has helped someone to get through a little bit of fear, a little bit of worry and anxiety. I pray that as the days progress here and this continues on, that we would truly embrace, we would truly grasp onto the peace that you've already provided, a peace that surpasses all natural understanding. I thank you that you're with us, that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us. And so I thank you, Father, that in this process, going through this, that peace would exude through us, toward and to others. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.